This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Good afternoon. This is Earth Matters on The Bigger Picture. I'm Juliet Jacobs. The 2022 United Nations Climate Change Conference, or COP27, has concluded. Were there wins from this set of negotiations or were they just another set of never-ending theoretical discussions? So today on the show, I'm joined by Malaysian activist Ili Nadia Zulfaka. She's the chairperson of Klima Action Malaysia, or KAMI, and also part of the Gabungan Darurat Iklim Malaysia. And she's joining me now to give a youth's perspective of what went down at the negotiations and and also to discuss the civil society demands and collective COP27 demands from the indigenous people of Malaysia that were delivered to the official Malaysian delegation over at COP27. Welcome, Nadia. How are you today? Hi, Juliet. Um, hi, everyone. My, uh, I'm fine. I'm uh, I'm just a bit jet lagged, but uh, <laughs> my memories are still fresh from the negotiations. Um, yeah, I think um, the negotiations... Um, wasn't the the outcomes that we saw wasn't um what we hope it, it could it could definitely be better but somehow negotiations stalled until towards the last eleventh uh, hour decisions were being made but I'm going to share some of the outcomes uh, probably later on during some of the questions that you're going to post. Okay, yes. And I have lots of questions for you. Uh, <laughs> I really want to know, you know, what happened then, especially from your perspective, you know, not from a uh, so quote unquote official delegation as such, right? Um, so really interested to hear. Um, can you sort of start off by setting the scene for us, you know, so this was over, so COP27 was held in Sharm el-Sheikh, which is over in Egypt. Uh, what was the whole uh, setting like? You know, what was, yeah, what was your experience there? So, um, so I went in together with uh, four of our, our members. This is actually the first time we are sending such a large delegate, even though it's just four people. Um, so, two of them are um, our indigenous uh, youth uh, coming from uh, the Rompin area. They are from the Jakun tribe, and um, it's basically their first time joining COP. It's actually the first time there are, there is actually voice from uh, the indigenous young woman from peninsula malaysia that attend that attends cop and um it's such a uh, an amazing and also uh, quite overwhelming experience for everyone uh, partly because just going to egypt is such a a strenuous um, um process um for example in sorting out the visa in sorting out um, you know, accommodation, the logistical part. Uh, bear in mind that we come and we 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 attended COP under the civil society banner, so we did not get any funds, any help from our uh, the Malaysian uh, delegation. So um, it was um, a strenuous process, but um, this is not something that only um, us that is experiencing this. This is shared by many other. Uh, youth and also civil society members that attend SCOP uh, in hopes uh, to uh, lobby towards a better uh, outcome for COP. Mm. So this is uh, something that um, that has to be definitely has to be um, uh, improved because COPs, COP has been here for like 27 years. Yeah. 27 years is a long time and if the process are still the same civic uh, society uh, civic spaces are being shrunk uh, and and of course the decision um, making powers are no longer um, uh, we, basically the civil societies in cop has very little um, uh, decision making powers so this is something that you know civil societies must defend because this is this is actually our space 
you know, the, the, the conference is made for the people and when governments don't represent the people, what is it for? Right. So um, so we were there under the women's gender, women and gender constituency, which is one of the civil society blocks, uh, uh, official civil society blocks in COP. And um, we went there and we were following um, the gender action plan and the climate finance streams uh, together with the loss and damage uh, um, uh, negotiations, at, as well as uh, the human rights um aspects of uh, climate action, basically. Yeah. Okay. All right. And it's really interesting that, you know, um, uh, members from the Orang Asli community went. And was it their first time there as well? Yes, it's their first time actually flying out from Malaysia. Wow. So there was a lot of um, um, logistical challenges that we faced in terms of language. Um, and But but we, we try to um, be as accessible as possible. For example, we provide uh, language uh, translation, interpretation. So we were there for around... Um, you know, 10, 11 days. And we uh, actually organized and participated in around eight to, sorry, seven to eight uh, panel discussions mm -hmm. where the Indigenous uh, youth also attended as uh, panelists, where um, most of us, me and uh, another member, also provided interpretation. The first time Bahasa is being interpreted in, uh, in this uh, United wow. Nations climate conference. So mm -hmm. it's really um, something that um, we, we found it really interesting because uh, language is interesting and really pertinent because language is one of the most critical barriers uh, for people who attend SCOP because um, some of the language that was being talked about is very technical, even yeah. though it's in English. And second, most of it is in English and it makes it really hard for, um, you know, grassroots to actually attend and understand what was being discussed. So we try to be um, accessible. Um, but again, it's our first attempt to to, to interpret uh, Bahasa. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's fun, okay. <laughs> I would say. <laughs> Okay, all right. I mean, I'm glad to hear that, uh, and I, you yeah. know, it must have been very uh, interesting for for them as well. Um, and so, you guys, as you mentioned, you know, you went under the sort of civil society banner, isn't it? But can you comment on the official Malaysian uh, delegation that went? You know, I mean, maybe you can explain to listeners what their sort of part uh, participation at these negotiations looked like. So this is um, something that was also a mystery to me um, oh a few <laughs> few months before before COP, um, because what 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 should happen is that the the, the Malaysian delegation uh, must reach out to civil society. There should be consultations um, whereby they shared. Um, their, what what they plan to do, what their strategies are, what streams uh, uh, they they want to participate in, etc., etc., and what kind of events that they want to run. Um, so we we were, you know, uh, in a guessing game for for uh, weeks before that. Um, for example, uh, before COP twenty six happened last year in Glasgow. Um, a month before that, civil societies were called in for a stakeholder engagement where mm. um, the, the country, where the national delegation basically lists out, um, you know, the number of people that is going, uh, what kind of activities they are, are planning to do, um, especially uh, where they explain um, 
quite explicitly about uh, the the carbon market, where whereas it's, it's something that they want to, uh, you know, naturally venture. So this is something was being shared that was shared, but this year there wasn't any any attempts being made to uh, call in civil society. Um, however, there has been. Um, a, a consultation with uh, youth uh, delegates where I was um, I was uh, uh, invited to. However, uh, when being asked why were civil societies not invited to such to attend such uh, uh, engagement, and they simply say they don't have the time. So I found it it is uh, something that is totally unacceptable. So uh, to answer your question. <laughs> um, uh, the the their participation uh, participation this year uh, definitely lies on the uh, um, article six, uh, which is uh, the uh, the carbon markets and how to implement them um, mitigation plans. And um, there was a lot of uh, bed, uh, a lot of uh, panels were being uh, organized by the Malaysian Pavilion, mm. and. Um, are um, a lot of talks on ESG, on, on financing from the private sector, and definitely they, they have uh, collaborated with WWF and uh, GEC Global Environment Centre uh, to host uh, um, panels, and they also have uh, Shark Koyo, which is uh, indigenous uh, activists, indigenous artists from uh, the Termuan tribe to come in and to explain um, about the how indigenous uh, solutions is pretty much critical to climate action. Mm-hmm. So that 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 is uh, um, some of the panels that was being organized by the Malaysian Pavilion. And aside from that, I think that there are some few other uh, streams that that they joined. However, it wasn't too clear. Uh, it wasn't made clear to uh, civil societies what are the outcomes. So we have to wait uh, for an official uh, account from uh, the national uh, delegation. Mm, okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I was looking I, and I didn't see any, so I was just yeah, just curious about that. I'm sure it will come yeah. out soon. Um, I do know that you know you guys submitted several demands to the Malaysian delegation at COP27. I want to talk to you about that, but let's just go for one quick break and come back to discuss that today. I'm speaking to Ili Nadia Zulfaka. She's the chairperson of Klima Action Malaysia, or Kami for short, also part of the Gabungan Darurat Iklim Malaysia Coalition. Uh, Nadia was just over in Shama Sheikh in Egypt for COP27. She's sharing some of the outcomes from the negotiation. We'll have more after this quick break. Keep it right here on Earth Matters on The Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9. Welcome back. This is Earth Matters on The Bigger Picture. I'm Juliet Jacobs. With me on the line today, Ili Nadia Zofaka. She's the chairperson of Klima Action Malaysia or KAMI, part of Gabungan Darurat Iklim Malaysia. She was also part of the civil society's uh, group that went over for COP27 uh, over in uh, Egypt in Shamal Sheikh for the uh, climate negotiations, the climate talks uh, that just concluded. We're getting a feel of what happened over there uh, from Nadia's perspective, of course, uh, going as a civil society, uh, a member of civil society. So Nadia, you know, before the break, you were, we, I kind of asked you, you know, what sort of role the Malaysian delegation played at COP27, you know, what sort of things you knew about it. And at the talks, I understand that uh, the Malaysian Civil Societies Group submitted several demands to the Malaysian delegation, right, at COP27, uh, including collective COP27 demands from the indigenous people of Malaysia. Um, talk to me a little bit about, uh, I mean, there's a, there's a whole list and I'd like to go through some of them, but what were some of the um, ones that you'd like to highlight and what was the impetus behind these demands? Mm-hmm. So basically, there are two specific calls 
Uh, one is the Malaysian civil society demands. It's basically a collective of demands uh, to the Malaysian delegation. And the second one is the indigenous uh, uh, people of Malaysia uh, calls for um, COP, what, what they want to see in COP, not just what Malaysia government should be doing, but what every parties, what every government and states should be doing. So the first uh, set of demands is for the Malaysian delegation. And I think the critical ones already spoken yeah. um, actually uh, previously about uh, why it's important to have uh, consultations prior to going to um, uh, UN uh, Climate Conference uh, COP. It's really important because meaningful participation is is absolutely critical. We we have been, um, for, for me personally, I have attended like a couple few of uh, stakeholder engagements prior to COP. However, it has not been quite meaningful in terms of uh, we weren't we were given only just a few weeks before uh, um, information and um, it does not give us enough time to to come up with a feedback and 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 meaningful participation meaning that you take in you you uh, you offer um, your, your stakeholders to provide feedbacks etc but that um, you know being given just two weeks time to provide feedbacks is, is certainly not enough. And um, that's why we really push for um, this uh, stakeholder engagement to be an obligation it has to be done months ahead. Mm-hmm. So um, that is one of the most, uh, the first demand. And of course um, we spoke a lot about fair representation uh, and this time around we, we really push for um people from Sabah, uh, Sabah, Sarawak to be included uh, within the, the engagement and for them to participate under the national delegation. This is especially critical because we are talking about land use, we are talking about carbon offsets, we are talking a lot about this uh, solutions that is truly happening in native customary lands. So our um, we have to have voices uh, from the people to be represented at these negotiations, to be part, to, to participate not as observers, but truly attending all these nego- negotiations. So that is um, perhaps the, uh, the, the second uh, demand and of course, uh, we we want to know what is happening. What what happened in COP twenty six? What where are the progress? Um, for example, we we signed on on the global methane pledge, the Glasgow Leaders Declaration on Forest and Land Use, and a bunch of other stuff. But we have not heard what are the progress on that. Um, whether it it should be uh, or whether it has been uh, there has been talks about incorporating all of these actions in the NDCs in our national determined contribution. So we we want to see, you know, action instead of talks, uh, uh, more uh, action instead of just um, pledges and promises. And of course, um, one of the critical things is definitely where is our national adaptation plan? Because uh, when we were there, um, we saw that the, the Malaysian government was promoting about our actions in uh, what is the what is Malaysia doing in terms of adapting to climate. However, uh, this year alone, we do not uh, no no civil societies. I think uh, there has not been any uh, stakeholder consultation with civil societies uh, that was being conducted by uh, CASA, which is our national focal point on UNFCCC. Um, yeah. Imagine that, and I, I think it's really important that 
you know, instead of them talking about solutions to the to the to the international community, they should be talking to us here, the people in Malaysia, who's going to implement these plans. So that has not happened, and we find it really, really odd. <laughs> and um, of course, uh, on the indigenous. Um, Demand. So this indigenous demands was being crafted by um, um, uh, Pakos Trust, which is an indigenous uh, civil society, a CSO from Sabah. And then we have Pesatuan Mahasiswa Orang Asli, PMOA, uh, which is centered, uh, based in Peninsula Malaysia. We also have community representatives from Rompin, the indigenous youth that attended together with us, uh, COP, and we have Safe Rivers. Uh, mm-hmm. Safe rivers from uh, Sarawak, sure. and then we have Sabah Alam Malaysia, and of course uh, Kami as well. So we 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 came up with um, this set of uh, our demands. It's um, mainly about uh, meaningful participation and uh, how to strengthen procedural rights, especially on access to information, access to uh, meaningful uh, participation, and of course we touch a lot about free prior informed consent. Um, when we talk about just transition, it has to be uh, centered around human rights protection. Um, most of the talks on solutions have always talked only in the mere in the talks of uh, um, technology, but rarely um, the results of negotiation talks about human rights. So, uh, in this year's negotiations, we we were um, civil societies were actually fighting for the language of human rights to be at the center and. Um, yeah, it got it got through. I will tell more about that a bit later. But um, again, we talk a lot um, in this demand. We we push, we call for um, the uprooting of false solutions and carbon colonialism. Again, we 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 try to um, uh, base it on what we saw uh, happening in Malaysia, what we saw happening in this region, in this development, uh, developing uh, a region uh, in the global south where the land again is being used to to uptake carbon. However, it has not um, gotten the uh, consent of the uh, of the local communities and the indigenous people. So there has been a lot of um, um, discussions around that. And this is something that um, is really important, what the indigenous people of Malaysia um, collectively demand for. Mm-hmm. Um, just to share a bit of um, insight, when we submitted these demands to uh, the Malaysian delegation, they were actually quite surprised because they think the word demand is something that is too... Um, it's not uh, so fun. Oh, <laughs> it's not so fun. They think that um, instead of uh, of civil societies use the word demand, we should be using the word asking for permission or requesting or giving you know suggestions or, or things like that. And yeah. and we found it really hilarious, partly because we civil societies we came in to this negotiation uh, to these negotiations using our own resources using our own network to be there whereas this national delegation went there using the taxpayers money yet when we call in and we uh, submitted our demands they were really shocked and they asked us to tone down our language we found it really absurd and hilarious okay yeah I'm really sad to hear that. That's terrible. I mean, we sent, I think, our biggest ever delegation, right? There was over 100 delegates were registered under CASA, the Ministry of Environment and Water. Um, You should be taking what your people say seriously. And, you know, you need to be really taking into account a meaningful discussion, meaningful participation, isn't it? Not sending 100 people there just to tell people to tone it down. Gosh. Yes. 
you would think there's no climate emergency, yeah. lah, right or not? <laughs> yes. Okay. All right. Really, really sad to hear. Okay, I'm really sorry to hear that. And, and yes, I'm glad that you use the word demands because there's no time for you know asking permission or you know asking for or requesting. <laughs> requesting. Sorry, the climate crisis doesn't wait for these sorts of things. My goodness me. Um. And and I think you know I remember. You know, in previous conversations I've had, you know, mm. doing this show for other cops, right? You know, Malaysia had a very strong part uh, in the um, like-minded developing mm. uh, developing countries negotiations mm. and, and talks, right? Mm. I mean, uh, did we play a, a bigger role there? I mean, I remember Professor Goodyell Singh used to be like, he was mm. the lead negotiator, you know, uh, part of the official delegation. Is that happening now? Um, sadly, that has not been the case since uh, Paris. Um, this is something that you can, you know, validate and, and ask more, uh, uh, ask to, um, you know, civil societies that were present there for the past 20 years, like uh, p- perhaps from uh, Mina Rahman from Sabah, Lam, Malaysia. Yeah. Then she can share you into detail on what goes behind doors. Um, all these uh, back dealings, uh, I think uh, Malaysia used to play a really big role um, amongst these countries. Uh, however, we, we have not, you know, really been following we have not gained that much allies in terms of um, pushing for stronger for example cbdr uh, pushing for more climate finance we are practically moving alone and and this is something that we found really odd because um, malaysia has used to be a leader yeah. however we have failed to maintain that leadership and, and we found this has a lot to do with the culture around, um, you know, our ministries, how we work. Um, for example, you know, the, the, the most, ta- the, you know, talents that used to work in CASA uh, under the uh, Bahagian Perubahan Iklim uh, or the Climate Change Division are gone. They were replaced. They were moved to another ministry. And we do believe in memory, institutional memory is absolutely critical. People have to know that we used to lead and we have the capacity to lead. And we can attract more talents, more younger ones to attend and, and of course, work together with the ministries. However, uh, these cultures are not, you know, um, it's not permissible. It's, it's something that we find really, you know, uh, problematic. And, and some of this, um, the, the delegations don't even understand um, the history of, of uh, our, our you know, negotiations before this. And this is something that that is not coming out from me. This is something that has been shared by previous delegates, by previous civil societies that were there. And everyone is quite frustrated with where our uh, national delegation um, what we are doing at the moment. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, and there's something else that I was reading. Uh, I, was, I was on your Instagram page and I read that Kami said, and I'm going to quote, and this is something you mentioned earlier, yeah. COP has become the breeding ground for corporate ca- capture, greenwashing, youth washing. Uh, do you think you want to just uh, expand more on that for me? Yeah. Yes. So, um, to, to share this information, it's, it's absolutely incredible. Um, 600 uh, more than 600 fossil fuel lobbyists attended COP this year. That is like um, more than 25% from Glasgow last year. And and imagine that this 600 fossil fuel lobbyists, they outnumber uh, the frontline communities that, you know, that attended this, this, um, uh, this conference and, and, the influence of fossil fuel lobbyists is greater than frontline countries and communities. I think, if not, if I'm not being mistaken, they are larger than any single delegation from uh, the, the the Pacific uh, nations. 
um, is incredible. And they all come in with really huge uh, money. They come in with really huge technical team. And they start set up all these uh, incredible pavilions that we have. Uh, I can't remember how many hundreds of pavilions that we have uh, this year in COP. And they are doing all these small little dealings and etc. Um, and of course, they also have the the, the capacity to attend uh, negotiations uh, as well. So this delegation is 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 dwarf. I think that the the delegations from African countries and indigenous countries are dwarfed by this uh, uh, representatives of corporate interest. And although I, I truly understand that many people, you know, uh, think that they, they believe that. Uh, to encourage transition away from fossil fuel, we have we have to bring in the people who who um, who are doing the pollution. You know, we have to bring in the big polluters, and we have to speak to them. You know, people yeah. say that oh, as much as we do the calling out, we have to do the calling in, uh, and and then bring in private interest to the negotiating tables. However, this this benefits uh, they they uh, is being out uh, outweighed. Uh, by the sheer size of the delegation and, of course, the suspicions that lobbyists uh, attend the talks to slow progress rather yeah. than discussing on um, you know, what goes behind their industries and what real action that they want to do. We have seen a lot of this uh, information being disclosed. So, for example, in the United States, uh, where... Um, uh, all this, uh, some of the big polluters like uh, Shell, uh, sorry, like Exxon Mobil, for example, they were called in for for a hearing uh, in front of the you know American people to explain what they have do, been doing, what kind of information um, you know they have been withholding and things like that. And and clearly, this information uh, has been out and about, and people know that lobbyists tend to slower the uh, the, the talks or uh, the the negotiation. So. Mm. Um, there's a lot of uh, suspicions around that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, I mean, I've been hearing right. that, lah, Nadia. You know, um, yeah. you know, they likened it to, you know, a smoking company going to a yes. conference on cancer, isn't it? That's the famous phrase that we've heard. So, yeah, yeah. it's become, uh, yeah, it's become a huge. A lot of, a lot of it has become, you know, quite greenwashing, I suppose. Um, right. Right. I mean, if I, if I may add to that, yeah, I think. Um, it's also critical that Malaysians really, really, you know, our national delegation uh, have to understand that although we are basically an oil and gas a nation, we rely a lot on our petrol. We are a petrol state, basically. We, we also have to, you know, make uh, to deliver policies that are not focusing only on the language of profit. We must seek policies that truly transforms and policies that are based in science. Science has spoken, not, not spoken, there's a lot of uh, journals and, and consensus among scientists, even at the IPC that says that for us to limit the 1.5, for us to, to hit you know, that 1.5 ceiling, degrees ceiling, we have to stop digging oil, we have to stop fracking, we have to stop uh, developing new oil fields, exploring, etc., etc. Uh, even gas itself is, is fossil fuel. So what are we doing, yeah. right? Yeah. So the, the Malaysian delegates have been telling us that, okay, um, we, we don't want uh, fossil gas to be a transition gas. So what are the options for Malaysia? So the options of we can be creative. So that's the thing that I 
I, I think that um, the, the when we talk about policy directives transforming, you know, Malaysia to as a low carbon economy, there are ways to do that, and it has to happen when the uh, the country must open its doors to listening to listening the will of the people because it does not make sense to keep continuing uh, uh, polluting and locking in more carbon and then passing on shifting the burden to the future generation to solve <laughs> to solve basically yeah. the, the the climate crisis it cannot happen that way and we have a net zero by 20 what 2050 <laughs> target yeah. that is pretty much too late for us looking at the impacts that we are already seeing and we have spent so much money in subsidies in fossil fuel subsidies in all subsidies and and how much are the fossil fuel uh, companies are benefiting from this? It's 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 truly mind-boggling, and and I do believe that this is something that, you know, we, we should be talking about in a serious manner, not by uh, imagining there will be energy poverty, scarcity, and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. We should be thinking in a more positive note that we can do this instead of doing policy under fear. Right, we are we are actually working under under completely fear that if uh, Petronas uh, does not make money, then then Malaysia is done. You know, we are we are gone. You know, people will face energy poverty, etc., etc. Then what are the solutions to that? And and to keep continuing digging for for digging for gas, is not acceptable because we are really profiteering for our, for the death of the future generation. So this is something that. You know, the discussion should be centered towards that and, and not just thinking about, you know, now is important, but what happens in the future is absolutely critical. We're talking about the, the, the exist, um, you know, the existence of this country. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So. Sorry, that's a bit, that's a bit emotional. <laughs> no, no, I mean, it must be so frustrating. I mean, you, you mentioned Mina yeah. just now. I, You know, every time I speak yeah. to her, she also says, we're just saying we have to keep saying the same thing, you know, just keep, you yeah. know. <laughs> I understand, I understand where you're coming yeah. from. Oh, uh, gosh. Yeah. Um, okay, just one okay. more quick break, Nadia, and then um, maybe we can come back and talk a little bit about, you know, your general observations, not so right. Malaysian-centric, I guess, you know, yes. some of the outcomes uh, from COP27. I'm speaking today to Ili Nadia Zulfaka, Chairperson of Klima Action Malaysia, or KAMI, part of the Gabungan Darurat Iklim Malaysia Coalition. We're talking about COP27, you know, especially the outcomes for uh, youth, civil society, indigenous peoples, and, you know, Nadia's own perspective uh, as a youth, uh, member of the Youth Coalition, I suppose, yeah, if you want to call you that, going for the talks. We'll have more after this quick break. Keep it right here on Earth Matters on The Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9. Welcome back. This is Earth Matters on The Bigger Picture. I'm Juliet Jacobs. Joining me today, Ili Nadia Zulfaka. She's the chairperson of Klima Action Malaysia or KAMI, part of Gabungan Darurat Iklim Malaysia. Uh, Nadia was with the civil society's uh, group going for COP27, the climate conference that happened over in Sharm el-Sheikh in Egypt just concluded. Uh, Nadia is sort of setting the stage for us about what happened there. Just looking at the talks as a whole, Nadia, um, I mean, there were some major outcomes, right, that were that were quite good. I mean, I keep hearing about the specific fund for loss and damage, you know, that was said to be a, an important point of progress. But for you personally, you know, what were the things that came out from the talks that you were very optimistic or happy about? Right. I think... 
I'm very optimistic on what happens outside COP. Okay. <laughs> um, so outside the official uh, UNFCCC negotiation rooms, we continue to see real action and momentum from the grassroots, the movement, the civil societies. You know, they stepped up to its, um, you know, through strong advocacy commitments. For example, we there's a lot of actions that goes on all these side panels where we bring in different perspective from everywhere around the world. For example, I was sharing a panel, some uh, person from the Amazon, another person from the States, uh, somebody from, from the um, from the Micronesia. So we are all talking about the same thing and what we want and what we think would happen, you know, behind these walls. Because practically, when we think about implementation, okay, let me uh, reiterate that again. So this COP is a COP on implementation, mm. right? Mm -hmm. So who's going to implement this? Is the people, is this grassroots people that will implement them in their own communities? And 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 this talks, we are uh, within this uh, uh, panels and all these uh, side events and people are already talking about how to move forward when governments are moving slower. Right. Yeah. So the money comes maybe later on, but what can communities do do now? So we shared a lot of information, a lot of uh, tactical uh, strategies uh, together across and share best practices. So this is something that I found it really interesting, and and what you know the indigenous youth that attended this uh, COP, they they felt that they 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 have managed to gain all this kind of information, networking, uh, um, a share of best practices, and of course the the them sharing. Uh, the realities on the ground in Malaysia, people are quite surprised. People think, oh, there's an uh, indigenous people in Peninsula Malaysia. I thought there's only indigenous people in Borneo, in Sabah and Sarawak. Oh, you know? okay. So that, that, you know, just um, putting our voice out there is, is absolutely critical. And then definitely uh, all this amount of wealth of information really helps us a lot to bridge in, you know, gaps and and put in as much as networking as possible. And of course, um, the the how people were, the way that civil societies and movements, uh, um, non-party delegates, I would say, we talk in the same language. I realize that we are talking, uh, we are growing stronger in a united call for climate reparations and end to fossil fuel, climate finance, um, talking there's a really strong voice there's a really strong call from the indigenous uh, uh, people's organizations where Jennifer Lasimbang from Sabah uh, she was there to to present at the uh, people's plenary uh, during the last two days mm. of, um, of of COP so it shows you a lot that you know all these voices they they, they play a huge role and they are they came in and to also provide their realities, their solutions, and of course we are not we don't want to be seen as victims anymore because we have the solutions, but we need the money. So this is something that has been going on, and I felt really optimistic being there, being with these people. And but then again, I know what goes on in the negotiations where countries like you know uh, the big polluters, the big historical polluters like EU, UK, um, uh, United States have been blocking yeah. um, 
every single time, including Saudi Arabia, has been blocking, um, for example, the word human rights. They have been blocking the words, uh, sorry, they have been watering down uh, the the word uh, fossil fuel. Mm. So these are so, some of the stuff that's been going on. It's very different on what they say in the public, in the you know, doing their PR, but what goes on beyond the negotiations, they block every single attempt by, um, you know, developing countries and mostly the countries that are from, you know, uh, the Pacific Islanders who, who are literally uh, um, underwater, that, that will be underwater uh, within the next few decades. So this is something that... that um, I saw that is happening. And of course, there are other actions, for example, the Beyond Oil and Gas Alliance, Boga, which, um, you know, tried to commit to uh, manage phase out, phase out of oil and gas production. So these uh, calls for Boga has been uh, quite strong among uh, various countries. And of course, the fossil fuel non-proliferation treaty continues to gain momentum, I think around 80, in, in, not 80 countries, but 80 constituencies are calling for uh, a fossil fuel non-proliferation treaty. So this is absolutely critical uh, um, actions that is happening on the ground and, and despite what goes behind the negotiations. And to answer to your question, um, what are the... Yes, of course, I haven't talked about the loss and damage funds. Mm -hmm. So um, the loss and damage uh, uh, funds... Uh, uh, this is like uh, an historical, basically, as historical um, actions, as historical uh, action has been made finally, and it happened during the eleventh hour hmm. of COP. You know, COP was supposed to end on the eighteenth, but it went few few days. Uh, it was extended for another few days, and it this decision happened towards the end in the eleventh hour, and they decided to set up the loss and damage funds. Finally, uh, the United States. Say yes, we can do that. And um, however, however. <laughs> um, we no criteria has been set yet on on uh, which country can receive those funds, upon which vulnerability criteria, how much these funds um, are going to amount to, and who will fund. Uh, this who will put money basically inside the fund? Is it IMF? Is it World Bank? Who? So these are some of the things that are also has yet to be negotiated. However, we must push ahead for in COP28 for this loss and damage momentum to to grow bigger because we don't want it to stall. That could potentially happen, for example, with the gender action plan. The plan has already been there for how many years, but it has failed uh, to, to grow momentum. And, and now it re still remains as a plan. Nothing is being done on the implementation. And this is what we are scared about, the loss and damage uh, of funds that that it will, you know, uh, the momentum will die on in, in COP28. Right. So this is something what civil society must push for, that this loss and damage will continue to be an important agenda in within the next few COPs. Yeah. Okay. So. Okay. All right. Um, I'm afraid we're just running out of uh, time, Nadia. So much to unpack, I know. Um, I, I just want to quickly ask you, you know, um, we, we are, I don't know, at, at the moment as we're talking, we're hoping to form a new government. I don't know, everything is up in the air. But, you know, whoever it is that's uh, in power, uh, a final message perhaps to our future cabinet on why the climate crisis must be prioritised across ministries and why we must have, I think, meaningful participation, as you spoke about earlier, with all members of society. I think it's really critical um, that Malaysians 
um, especially not not just CASA, but um, you know delegations from EPU, from Ministry of Finance, to sit together with the civil society, not just CASA, and discuss about this together before we go to COP. Because at the moment, the five, 1.5 degree is politically impossible to reach. They say that in COP27, the 1.5 degree is dead, that the limit, that the agreement is already dead. So um, with the formation of loss and damage, which Malaysia could potentially apply for the funds, it's, it's something that is good. However, we have to still talk about fossil fuel. Are Malaysians ready to accept that we must phase out from fossil fuel ASAP? <laughs> ASAP. Mm-hmm. And and this is uh, the, the plain truth that we have to face. And um, the thing is, we, we, we push on further for, for the agenda of loss and damage, but the fossil fuel agenda remains untouched. That would mean the source of the, the pollution, the source of the carbon emission is still uh, yeah, uh, so, polluting. I mean, yeah, clear, present, it's getting right, higher yeah. and higher. So it does not make sense that at one point we are preparing for the worst, but then we keep on pushing more carbon, locking more carbon in the air. So it's, uh, it's something that is, uh, for me, uh, counterproductive and does not make sense because a remedy required the cessation of the harm. If the fossil fuel is not being addressed, then it does not matter how much loss and damage money you will be. You can only, you know, um, yeah, I mean, towards the end, it will be total extinction. That does not matter about the loss and damage um, funds or whatever it is. So I think what the Malaysian, um, you know, government, the next um, leadership should be should be centering on and it's how to you know really put it out to everyone's mind and everyone's uh, every ministry is how to uh, align our policies to more science align our policies to the people's well-being and not just something on paper and that's why you need meaningful participation because adaptation is an inherently social process you need to keep on it's a trial and and an error process right you get people to work on it and then you you will review you will monitor and the people will will be doing that right so the people on the ground so it's an inherently social process therefore participation has to be inclusive it has to be accessible you know uh, uh, when i say inclusive it's not just inclusive in terms of getting indigenous people in you have to get you know the disabled uh, uh um the disability communities in and that is just some of it, you know. What about the migrants? The other marginalized communities are not being consulted at all. So these are uh, critical issues that, um, you know, our next leadership should be talking about. And of course, there's a whole lot into it. For example, food safety, food security that comes under this. But maybe for the next discussion, perhaps that we can talk about this. But we need to really step up. So we, we can no longer do all this um, uh, greenwashing or, or giving nice uh, uh, po- political statement and not implementing this. We, we can't be doing that. It's, it's totally, it's, it's suicidal for this country, basically. Okay. All right. Thank you so much, uh, yeah. Nadia, for joining me today. Really, really uh, insightful discussion. And of course, you know, we will have more discussions about this. Uh, and, you know, we shouldn't let the elections, everything, you know, sort of overshadow these really, really important issues. But, you know, for folks who are interested to follow Kami, of course, you guys are on all uh, social media channels, isn't it? 
Hmm. Yes. Okay. So uh, Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram, TikTok. I want to say TikTok. Yes. TikTok as TikTok. well. Yeah. Just search for Klima Action Malaysia or Kami K A M Y to find out more and find out how you can get uh, how how you can get involved. You know, and why you should get involved. Um, my thanks again to my guest Ili Nadia Zulfaka, chairperson of Klima Action Malaysia, part of Gabungan Darurat Iklim Malaysia. We were talking about some of the outcomes from COP27. If you miss any part of our conversation, just download the podcast at bfm.my/earth, or you can find it on the BFM app. This has been Earth Matters on The Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.